Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We're so glad you tuned in on this November day. I have to say, Ashley, it's cold as all get out. Last week, I was in Anaheim, and it was 97 degrees. Mm. And I had so much sweat on my eyebrows that it went down into my eyelashes and made my (laughs) mascara run into my eyes. So by day three, I stopped wearing mascara. That's how hot it was. That's that sounds like heaven to me. It's actually still pretty warm here today. Like it's it's going to be sixty as the high. What that is? Yeah, warm. but then tomorrow it's like forty degrees. So as the high. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's happening. That's my kind of Winter day. is happening. Oh, so much. <laughs> I'm wearing like a huge fleecy, nineteen seventies looking zip up, and I'm feeling myself. I like it. All See? right. Mm-hmm. There we go. Today, listeners, we want to talk to you about why a friend loves at all times, though. November is National Adoption Awareness Month, and we thought it would be a great time to talk about one of the many issues that people are facing in our world today, and it's working through adoption trauma. Hmm. I am adopted. If you've been with us, then you'll know from episode two that I was adopted from India just shy of my second birthday. And I, um, I have come to realize that working through the adoption, loss, and trauma, rejection, abandonment is not separate from learning how to find yourself in a new family. Now, hmm. this episode can be applied to not just your understanding of adoption, but we really want you to think about the people in your life who may be adopted because the truth is you likely know somebody who's been in the foster care system, somebody who was internationally adopted. Maybe you haven't asked and maybe they're not comfortable sharing that, but the likelihood of you being in relationship with somebody is extremely high. Mm -hmm. So, and having any, uh, and even other adoptive parents or foster parents or anything like that. So we felt like in this month, and because this is something... Uh, so near and dear to my heart and and near and dear to Ashley's heart as an ally and as a friend, we thought this would be a great opportunity to talk through um, how to support friends who are adopted or have had experience yeah. in foster care. And um, in my own life, it's been a it's been kind of a crazy journey. And again, you can go back to the earlier episode to hear kind of more details about it. And I have found in my life that I've struggled as an Indian woman in America with no home base or network of Indian people in my life actively, no aunties, no uncles, Hmm. Um, very, you know, the Indian culture has been very foreign to me. I have definitely done the work and learned as much as I can, and I'm constantly learning and looking for ways to know more and you know, peppering my culturally Indian friends to the point that they are uncomfortable. Um, but uh, it's okay. You can laugh, Ashley. It's okay. I did. I totally did laugh, actually. You didn't oh. hear me. I think oh. I was too far from my microphone, Tiffany. There you so go. Sorry about there that. There you go. <laughs> but I, um, I've always grappled with this idea of not fitting in, right? I have yeah. a foot in both worlds, but not fully accepted into one. And I'm an 
uh, when I'm in India, I do not feel like an Indian in India, and I don't feel mm. like an Indian in America. I don't. Mm. I have the experience of growing up in a white home and a white community, but not being treated white. And then I also have the experience as an adult being treated as an Indian woman and assuming I know the cultural norms and traditions that comes with that. Hmm. And so, and you know, and for adopted, that's obviously specific to my experience as an international adoptee. But if you have a friend who is uh, in a family that is, you know, could be coded of their same uh, skin tone, then that could be something under the surface that that they don't know how to grapple with yet or they're, they're grappling with in a completely different way, right? So yeah. all that to say is as we think about this month and there's so many um, beautiful people groups to celebrate this month, Indigenous people and, you know, lots of feelings as we lead up to Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. But when you think about um, your adopted friends, I just want you to think about the things that could be tender and the pressure points that they might um walk through and for me i think it's i'm an enneagram three and we've talked about the enneagram a little bit here at why though i am the kind of person when i go through something and i want to achieve it and get through it and be done and be fine and move on and with something as tender and traumatic as adoption you can't do that there will always Hmm. be pressure points and i think i know that in my head but when it happens in my real life i'm hit once again with these triggers and this pain and this tenderness. And I'm thinking, but aren't I done with this? Didn't I already work through Hmm. this? And the reality is for an adoptee or somebody who's grown up in the foster care system, there is never a point, I think, that you will feel not tender to your story. And and by God's grace, it has grown such compassion in me. I would not be the person I am today if I didn't have these adverse experiences. Not that I'm praising or celebrating that I had them, but I am learning from them. And I am leaning into the dark, and I'm holding that darkness to see what God can do. However... I, I am learning <laughs> to not be so surprised or feel like I took two to the chest when I have a trigger. And now I also am coming to grips with the fact that there are moments when I meet another adoptee or something happens that triggers these moments when I remember or think about my loss or even think about my son's loss who's also adopted. And it's also heavy to know that things can be heavy and happy at the same time because usually i'm the kind of person i want to compartmentalize heavy and happy i want those to come one after the other not in the same hand and so learning to process that and one of the ways um that is so exciting but still like oh just it was just tender to me is um and i shared this on instagram the other day but i was uh, approached by an acquaintance to chat who's also an adoptee from India and we finally were able to get on the phone and learn more about each other's story and she said you know I listened to your episode on why though where you talked about your story and it just sounded so similar to mine now for an adoptee from India there are 31 million orphans 31 million orphans that's half of the UK that's a tenth I believe of the United States that's a lot. There's a lot of orphanages. There's a lot of babies on the street. There's a lot of babies with no mommy and no daddy and no one protecting them, no one keeping them safe, no one meeting their emotional, physical, uh, spiritual needs. And 
I was like, okay, well, where, you know, where you're from? And she said, I'm from Delhi. I'm like, oh my gosh, me too. And we both started to do some digging on our adoption paperwork that we both happened to have very handy, which I never do. So that was surprising that I was able to locate that quite quickly. And you'll never believe it. We were both adopted from the same orphanage. Hmm. We were adopted through different agencies, but adopted through the same orphanage. And it was just such a moment of beauty with, um, you know, I don't have a family member that I know, the idea of even doing 23andMe or Ancestry DNA that people always encourage, like, oh, you should try that out. I'm sure you'll find your mom. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, thanks for that advice. No, thanks. Um, I've never uh, never even ventured because I'm like, I don't know if I can handle it, you know? Sure. Um, but it was a beautiful thing. And I have gone to a picnic with other people who'd been adopted from the same adoption agency, but they were working with orphanages all over India. Um so I've, I've gotten to meet um, the opportunity to meet others adopted, but still it's, it's never easy. And even that episode that happened in middle school that I got to meet um, all these lovely other boys and girls who were adopted. It was, it really was hard. It was, it was, it was a lot for a middle school. Middle school is hard enough yeah. with a unibrow and finding out that you stink. Literally, you physically stink and you need to start wearing deodorant. It's a lot when you um, are faced with your abandonment issues as well. So just, you know, just all the things you deal with in middle school. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it was a beautiful moment to find that she had also experienced um, that loss, but also found Christ. It was so precious to me. And I know that every adoptee's experience is different. Um, uh, I believe it's an adoptee from the ages of, I want to say 14 to 21 research um, claims are eight times more likely to attempt suicide, eight times more likely to struggle with anxiety and depression. Hmm. And uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. So we want to talk about what it looks like. And I just wanted to give you that quick glimpse of the inner life of an adoptee. In my personal experience, I cannot speak for others, but I can speak for mine. And I'm one of you know millions who've been adopted. But um, as a friend, what it looks like to support your friend who's maybe got some heavy stuff in their backstory, but still being present and holding that with them because it's so necessary. And even just the other day after I, I chatted with, um, my new friend, Sandhya, I called Ashley and I said, Oh, I just, it's just a lot. It's just heavy. It just is. It's a lot of emotional exhaustion to think through how good God's been, but also how much you've lost and being reminded that you don't have what every baby craves is the story Hmm. that was supposed to be. You're reminded what you don't have that so many others did have. Hmm. And I think also um, kind of a light bulb moment for me is being able to integrate that loss into the home I was raised because I've really separated those two experiences and I wouldn't have had one without the other. (laughs) And so being able to see that both of those experiences, um, really bounced off each other for lack of a better term, they determined how I processed. And so as we all bring our family of origin experiences into our friendships, it's wise to know that an adoptee is possibly bringing a lot more baggage and a lot more details and a lot of heaviness and tenderness to a friendship. Is that fair to say, Ashley? I think so. And I think one of the common ground places we can all start 
you know, because if we're really going to say that a friend loves at all times, I think a common ground place we can start is that every human being has times where they struggle with their identity and every human being has an idea of what life should look like. And then the reality that they are facing. And I think if you think about it in those terms, then you can recognize like, oh my gosh, well, I have things in my background and my upbringing that did not go the way I hoped they would. Or I have, you know, nobody has perfect parents. So if we all recognize that we realize like, okay, great. Well, everybody is dealing with something. And so I think we can kind of, um, stop judging one another and hold space for one another and be thoughtful towards one another. I think that for me is actually one of the indicators of a great friend is someone who's thoughtful towards you. Like that is thinking, man, in this particular situation, I think my friend might feel uncomfortable or I can see how in the midst of this loss, my friend who has been adopted or who was in the foster care system, or maybe doesn't have a fallback plan for anything in their life Mm -hmm. is going to really struggle. Like I I have watched um, a couple of my friends who Uh, were adopted or in the foster care system um, have babies. And so that's been a really interesting experience um, because, you know, you realize like, okay, they may not have access to childcare from family members, or they may not have access to help from family members, or they may just be grieving feelings of, okay, well, my mom can't really be present here for this huge moment in my life. And maybe they don't even want their mom present there, but it's still like one of those things where you're like, this is really hard to process and really hard to think about. And then receiving a new baby into your home and recognizing like, wait a minute, how could someone make a decision to um, adopt me out? So I think there's, it's a lifelong process and a lifelong journey for people who have been adopted in the same way that it's a lifelong process for all of us <laughs> who don't have perfect parents and who don't have perfect lives and who have expectations of what life should give us or what life should be. And when it doesn't, what do we do? Um, and so I think it's really important to be holding space for one another. And just to suspend our judgment. I know personally, that's something that is a very high goal of mine. Um, And, you know, maybe that's empathy. Maybe that's looking for understanding in others. Maybe it's the recovery work that I've done that makes me focus so much on my own brokenness that I do my best to suspend judgment with others. But I think suspending judgment can be such a, a healing teacher when you recognize like, oh, if I take a moment to not judge this person about their upbringing or their life or why they might be processing what they're processing right now or why this is hitting them so hard when it doesn't seem like it should be hitting them hard, then I can recognize and step into where they are and go, I can see why this hurts you. I'm so sorry that you're going through this. I'm so sorry. And develop an empathy and a love for the person and what they're going through. Um, But it's really important that we do that. And I think for those of us who have kids in school, this is a really important topic because how can we stand in the gap for one another. And yeah. I've told this story before on here and it's obviously I wasn't adopted. My mom is an amazing human being who worked three jobs at all times during our entire childhood. I swear she only slept like two hours a day, but there was another mom in my, um, best friend, my best friend's mother. And so she was always looking out for me. And sometimes she would pack my lunch and like send an extra lunch with her daughter. And she would write a little note in there just to say she loved me. Or she would put a little treat inside her daughter's lunchbox for me, like two little bags of M&Ms, one for me and one for her daughter. And so thinking about like, yeah. And she knew that there was a gap in my life and it wasn't 
that I didn't have a, a mother who loved and adored me, but she knew there was a gap and she knew she could step in and meet it. And so I think it's really important for us to see one another and to understand what people might be going through and to pay attention to this life and pay attention to one another because there is already this um, high sense of anxiety and loneliness in our world. Yeah. And how much more so for people who um, have had the beautiful and unique experience of walking through being an adoptee or adopting a child. I think um, just to pay attention to that and journey with people. It's wild. This is the last thing I wanted to say is just that um, three of my best friends have all been either adopted or in the foster care system. Four, four, now that I think about it. four. And so it's really, um, what a privilege and an honor. (laughs) Like, man, that's really wonderful to have been, um, close to people who have gone through this and to see all four of them have very different expressions of how this has worked out in their life. Um, but it's been really beautiful to watch the journey and to watch God make up all the gaps and to watch these incredible strong women rise and be who they are. Um, and to offer their nurturing and their gifts to the world has just been such a privilege of mine. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I think I want to touch back what you said about empathy. Just a reminder, empathy doesn't solve problems of the other, right? Totally. So when you're being That's not even the goal, right? Right, like, that's right. That's not the goal. And so in in our empathetic nature, when we're looking to love our friend who's been, you know, through adoption or foster care, remembering that it's not to be like, oh, but everything's great now, right? Or to put a quick totally. label on it and to think like, oh, but, but look what you've done. Oh, I think that's the, been the biggest thing in my life. Is the, yeah. <laughs> is the line of like, oh, but God wouldn't have done that. Oh, but you wouldn't have had this now. As if mm. what I have now negates what I've been through. And it's like, Come oh on. my gosh, that is not helpful. <laughs> so as you're looking to serve your friend, I think suspending judgment is so vital. And I think yeah. also withholding um, solutions. quick fix solutions. <laughs> yeah, quick fix solutions. A solution of like, go to counseling. That's a right. good solution. Sure. Right? You celebrate that sure. one. Sure. But like, hey, this is heavy. That's is right. There's someone who, who could walk through this with you. Right. And obviously still offering yourself to walk through that, but offering somebody who could help them navigate some heavy emotions and yeah. get to a place, especially if it's affecting their everyday life and how they interact in their current relationships. Yes. Um, and so I don't, I think, you know, withholding any quick fix solution ideas or celebratory statements where, but look what God's done or you wouldn't have this note. You know, a lot of, um, I think this is one that is just like a kicker to me is, uh, I am an adoptive mom as well. And, um, so many people after we had, after we brought Jericho into our home, people were like, Oh, so great. And now, and now you're getting pregnant. Oh, God only did that because you adopted. And you're like, whoa. Wow. Oh, uh, what terrible theology, first of all. Right. Holy it, cow. I what mean, a that mean, was probably awful the most God. Con- when people, uh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> that's not the God I serve. And that was probably the most common comment I got. Man. The most wild. common comment. Like, oh, look what God did now mm. that you've gone through this. And it's mm. like, what the what? Like, how? No. Or, oh, you've only, you know, like, because you were adopted, look how you're paying it forward. And I'm like, oh, nope, still not helpful. <laughs> like, no, still it not isn't. Helpful. So I think I it's think- interesting for us to identify as humans what our, um, what our uncomfortable bits are so that we yeah. can verbally check ourselves before it comes out of our mouth. Like, have we sat and thought to ourselves, oh man, I'm really uncomfortable with your pain or I'm really uncomfortable with the way that you can hold grief and joy at the same time. That makes me uncomfortable. Like you already said earlier, Tiffany, like I think so often we want to jump to either joy or to happy or to not happy instead of just being able to hold both. Yeah. Um, and it's important that we learn to do that, like to not 
let everything that's that wants to come out of our mouth come out of our mouth but just to be a minister of presence in those moments and to just yeah. sit and be and not feel like you have to do something or say something you know one of the best pieces of advice i got from a dear friend of mine last week after i was just you know thinking through adoption and loss and awareness and she said yeah. you don't have to react a certain way when pain hits you yeah come on when something yes. comes up you don't have because she's like you're beating yourself up because you're not feeling triumphant and you don't have to do that like that's, yeah, that's but you know i think uh just a again a faulty theology of like god's on the throne yeah everything's great everything's great you know right and you're like yes he is and he holds me tenderly come on the reason he's on the throne is because he went to the cross correct and he was willing to hold all of the grief and so mm-hmm. i think remembering that he is capable of both holding the dark and the light. Yes, he is. And um, yes, yeah, he is. so we just encourage you, listener, and this is obviously a highly specific episode, but we thought during this month, <laughs> and obviously, you know, our, our friendship has worked through adoption and loss and resentment and, and anxiety and loneliness through my mm-hmm. adoption. And Ashley's been so faithful to walk that out in so many different ways. So we thought, man, we should share this with our listeners because this yeah. is valuable. And here's the honest truth. Your sweet relationships, the body of Christ is not built on small talk and coffee dates that don't go below the surface. Right. It's built on showing up and showing up vulnerably yeah. and being willing to share the heaviness That's the body of Christ. That is the love that we were invited to share with our friends. So may you be a friend who loves at all times. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us this week, listener. And we can't wait to be with you next week. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.